From Murphy to Mancio, extraordinary athletes, coaches, administrators, and contributors have impacted the North Carolina sports landscape. For some, their talents left an indelible mark. So much so, they are enshrined in the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. It's time to chat with one of those Hall of Famers who dared to be as tall and stately as our Longleaf Pines. Here is your host of 15 Minutes of Fame, Chris Edwards. Welcome to 15 Minutes of Fame. I'm Chris Edwards. Today on the podcast, we chat with a North Carolina native and a college football legend. Leo Hart was a three-sport athlete at Kenston High School playing football, basketball, and baseball and went on to play his college football at Duke University and helped to revolutionize the game of college football. Leo also had a stint as a great pitcher for the Blue Devil baseball team. We talk about all of that and more with a 2008 inductee to the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame, Leo Hart. Leo, thank you so much for the time and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. I'm uh, delighted to have a chance to catch up with you. Uh, let's start here with, with your high school career. You, you were from Kinston. You played football, basketball, baseball, all in high school. What was it about football that won out and ultimately attracted you to that particular sport? You know, over the years, uh, many people from my hometown of Kinston said, Leo, you should be playing professional baseball because we started so early, six years old, and played in the Midget League, and Little League, and Junior League, and American Legion, and of course, high school. Uh, but uh, there was something about football that was alluring, that you, you're a part of a team that your, um, I guess I could say, your performance every time affects the outcome of the game. And uh, I enjoyed that part pitching. I certainly enjoyed it in basketball, but football kind of edged out the other two sports that it was the right way for me to go. Well, obviously you had a great high school career and then went on to play your college football at Duke. What was it about Duke and the Blue Devils that attracted you and why did you pick uh, Durham to go play your college football? You know, uh, it was interesting. At that point in time, when I was 12 years old, my neighbor and I went up to the Duke basketball camp and Jeff Mullins and Art Heyman were the two guys that met us and took two little pipsqueaks over to the dorms and helped carry our bags. And I said, you know, if we got two All-Americans that uh, can just spend time with us, um, it, it would be the place that I'd like to go. So uh, I kidded Jeff and them over the years, uh, Art. It was just a fun time being with them. Heyman told me one time in one of the basketball games, he said, son, you look like a pretty good player. Continue to play like you're older. <laughs> and that uh, stuck with me for many years. And, of course, I told Jeff that um, I couldn't thank him enough for guiding me toward Duke. So that's really how I got there once football had contacted me about uh, coming to Duke. Well, when you got to Duke in 1967, Leo, college football certainly wasn't the way it is now with all these explosive offenses and you're passing all the time in the air raid. When did you start realizing that, that maybe college football, and more specifically Duke football, could be transformational to the ACC and the style of play that you guys played for your four years in Durham? I was just lucky, I guess. I came along at the right time. Um, I thrown a lot in high school, but certainly not to uh, the levels that they are doing today. But um, we felt like that if we could run and throw, uh, 
uh, that we'd have a better chance of winning. Um, ironically, Sonny Jerkerson was down for a football camp and spent some time with him a few different sessions. And he said, Leo, you, flew, you threw the ball more in one game than I did in a whole year. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Back then with Sonny, it was more like a cloud of dust. And of course, they were in single wing. So, uh, but uh, I was just happy that we came in at that time. Well, I read that Duke recruited several quarterbacks around the same time that you were being recruited to Durham, but you won the job. What do you think helped you win the job and become the starting quarterback? Well, everyone, I think, dedicated themselves to be better each day. But when I came into Duke, out of the 30 uh, people that were signed on scholarship, uh, 10 of them were quarterbacks. Wow. Um, you went from Tom Landry Jr. to Wes Chesson had been told that he was going to play quarterback and Leo was going to be a receiver. Uh, so that didn't work out exactly the same way. Of course, Wes told me, he says, thank God it worked out the way it did. So um, there was a lot of uh, competition back then. Um, Al Woodall was there, Dave Trice, Larry Davis. Uh, they were the going in to be seniors when I think I was a freshman. So it just happened that way. Uh, that in in spring practice, I had a chance to to play quite a bit um, as second and third team quarterback, and then all of a sudden, a few guys got hurt, and uh, I was the last man standing. You could say you still hold a number of ACC records. Only quarterback to be voted uh, first team All ACC three times. Only player to lead the ACC in total offense for three seasons. There have been a lot of really good players, obviously, and that's probably an understatement, that have come through the ACC in terms of football uh, over the last four-plus decades. But for you to still be in those conversations and have your name in the record book, how special and how meaningful is that to you? Well, certainly it is. You always like to be remembered. And um, we were just lucky at the time that things were changing, not to a cloud of dust, but in getting the ball down the field quicker by passing. And I was lucky enough to have a great group of receivers through those years. And uh, I can't thank them enough for, for getting open. And uh, we, we had a fun time moving the ball around. And I had no idea that um, we would still have a few records these days, as you said, with the amount of great quarterbacks that have come through the ACC. Do you feel like your teammates, you and your teammates at Duke, changed and revolutionized college football and offense in college football? You know, that's been said. Uh, at that point in time, you had Sonny Sixkiller from Washington, and you had uh, a few other quarterbacks around the country that started throwing the ball quite a bit. Uh, so I, I think it was probably just a turn of events that kids were playing football earlier. Um, I had the chance at six years old, but many people were starting to throw the ball in high school and it carried over to college. And of course now it's, uh, it's unbelievable how it uh, has blossomed in the NFL. I read Leo that you called your own plays, which I imagine was pretty rare in those days. How much did you study the other team and their defensive schemes? Oh, you would watch every film that you had prior to playing uh, an opponent. Um, you would go through the, the game plan and you would just look at uh, defensive secondary and linebackers. And of course, uh, there are different sets. 
Um, I enjoyed the idea of calling plays um, because it made you more astute. It made you more aware of what the strengths and weaknesses were of the defense. And, of course, sometimes uh, the defenses would surprise you. Uh, It's just amazing now how quickly that defense can come on a quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, During my days, um, there were – not a great need for quarterbacks to run, but all of a sudden you did find that uh, where a quarterback could really run and and uh, throw the ball also. So I just thank I thank the Lord that I was at there at the right time. You had several 300 plus passing yard games at Duke. Is there one particular game or moment that stands out from your football career that's the most memorable for you? Um, probably when we were playing Clemson down there. Uh, Wes and I connected on several throws and all of a sudden I threw a quick slant pattern and the Clemson guy got in it in the way and uh, of course ran it all the way back and I said oh god so <laughs> I said this is going to be a long day but the, the next series we went right down the field and scored and I think um, as you've heard many times uh, quarterbacks have to have a short memory yes Uh, especially when you have a bad throw. (laughs) (laughs) I think it turned out okay for you guys that day, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. I I read that you played baseball at Duke as well. Uh, How did you balance the football and the baseball? I I know there are different times of the year, and maybe spring football wasn't as prevalent as it is now, but still two very competitive sports played at a very high level. Uh, Well, I enjoyed baseball, and it gave me an opportunity just to have uh, a different conditioning as you said, in spring practice, I would go to spring practice and then I would go up to baseball uh, if we were playing the game and sometimes would have a chance to, to pitch on that particular day. So you just went back and forth. I enjoyed as a freshman going with a baseball team on a Florida trip. And uh, all the guys called me the rookie at that point in time because I was the only freshman on the team. But uh, it helped me to grow up. It uh, helped me to understand life in college. And so I just appreciated spring practice because spring practice was where you learn how to play. And um, so I was fortunate that I could play a little baseball and a little football. And uh, I'm just thankful for that. I I imagine playing quarterback and being the pitcher, one of the pitchers on the baseball team, it's it's a pretty easy transition. And it probably helps your conditioning for football that you're throwing 100 pitches during a baseball game. Absolutely. You know, different than uh, watching baseball today where uh, the pitchers just go in there for th- three innings or one inning or, or they have a kind of a combination of, of pitchers uh, pitching that particular day. Uh, in our time, we felt like you had to be there for seven innings or nine innings or whatever the number of innings that you needed to pitch. So it was a totally different thinking back then. I, I think Tom Butters was the head baseball coach at the time at Duke. This is before he became the athletic director. What was Tom Butters like as a baseball coach? You know, I enjoyed him very much. He was uh, very seasoned. Of course, he worked out with uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, he gave us some good pointers uh, for, for pitching and and for really thinking through the, the world of baseball. Um, I enjoyed him. And later on, when I came back to Duke, I was assistant baseball coach with Enos Slaughter. And that was a fun event 
Enos had some of the greatest stories from his pro career. So I was just very, very fortunate to have Coach Butters and also to have Enos Slaughter. What's the, what's the best Enos Slaughter story you can tell from your time being his assistant coach? Well, he he ha- he would say a few words that I can't say. <laughs> yeah, but um, we did have one time when uh, we had a um, we had two players on on second and first, and we were playing Virginia, and we hit a great shot between center field and left. Center field makes an unbelievable catch. And uh, close the ball back in, and we get a rundown between second and third, and also between first and second with our two players. Um, Enos was on third base, I was on first uh, coaching. And it ended up that both players in the rundown slid into second base. <laughs> and Enos yells out to the crowd and uh, to me and to everybody there. He said, Leo, I think I've seen it all. I really think I've seen it all. Now, somebody goes on the bathroom. I have seen it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I said that a little differently. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I appreciate you cleaning it up a little bit for us. I'm curious because you've been so successful, obviously, as a football player, baseball player, and in life in general. What do you think, Leo, is some of the biggest character traits that make someone successful, whether it be in sports or in life? Well, I, I think we had a good upbringing in, in uh, Kenston, uh, certainly with mom and dad. And uh, dad used to go out when I was six years old and pitch me the ball and I would try to hit it and, and vice versa. He would catch me if I was trying to pitch. Um, I grew up in an area where we had a great recreational program. And you learned how to play in a team environment. And you learned how to really to leave your ego at the door. Um, And I think that helped me as we went to Duke. I usually played. I lived across the street from a park. And I would go down and play basketball or football or baseball every day. And I played usually, especially like basketball, everybody was maybe two, three, four years older. So you had a chance to kind of grow up and be able to defend people that were older than you were. So, But we had a great uh, recreational program, and I think that helped me probably more than anything else. That's a perfect way to end it. Leo, thank you so much for your time and everything you do for the Hall of Fame. Well, thank you for that, and uh, Happy New Year, and we look forward to seeing you in person there at one of the banquets. Thanks to Leo for his time on the podcast, and thanks to you for joining us on 15 Minutes of Fame. Until next time, this is Chris Edwards for the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame.